0: Welcome to the Relationship Recovery Podcast, hosted by Jessica Knight, a certified life coach who specializes in narcissistic and emotional abuse. This podcast is intended to help you identify manipulative and abusive behavior, set boundaries with yourself and others, and heal the relationship with yourself so you can learn to love in a healthy way. Hello, and thank you so much for being here, always. I am here today with an important topic. Today, we're going to talk about course of control. And course of control and patterns of course of behavior is something that we hear a lot. And it's a word that has been coming up a lot. I'm sure if you've been on Instagram, you've seen it a lot. But understanding it and understanding what it means and understanding where it comes up is really important. and. That is something that I've been trying to learn more about. I'm actually enrolled in a program, a training on understanding and working through patterns, of course, of behavior in relationships that's taking place in mid-February so I can continue to help you best. But as we dive in, sometimes people will say, oh, coercion. I don't know if that's it. The way I had it described to me best was pressure. When somebody feels constantly pressured to do things that you wouldn't do, you're experiencing course of control. So I'm going to get into the topic today. A few updates before, if you are looking to schedule a clarity call with me and there is not a time available, I just opened up a few Sundays, Sunday mornings. So if that doesn't work, you could always email me at jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com. If you are looking for a one-off call, so a call that's just like kind of one and done to notice and work through some of the patterns and behaviors that you're experiencing and see what's going on in there, you can schedule a validation call. If there is not a time available on my website, emotionalabusecoach.com, you can send me an email, same email, jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com, and we will find a time to connect and courses are still available online. I have my emotional abuse breakthrough course. I have a no contact course, and I have a boundaries deep dive, which really is just meant to help you understand how to set a boundary with an abusive person, which is very hard. And a lot of times you'll hear, there's no way that you can do it, but there are some strategies that you can do. So I will leave it there. And actually one last thing, I think that in this field, a lot of people are like, they post a lot on Instagram and TikTok and all these places. And I've always had my focus on two things. One, my one-on-one clients. Two, this podcast. And the third would be like putting together courses and things that are easier and more digestible for people that are struggling. And sometimes I wonder if I should be posting more. And if by doing that, I can help more people, but I just want to say that like if you navigate over to my social medias and realize like, oh, she doesn't actually, you know, she doesn't post this much. It's like I use this as my container to really talk through topics and it is what helped me the most. And so I try and make this a place that will help you the most. All right, let's get into the topic. Patterns of coercive behavior. Coercive control by definition, is a strategic form of ongoing psychological and emotional abuse based on control, manipulation, and oppression. And what's interesting is that both course of control and traumatic bonding is based on intermittent reinforcement, which I'll explain more. Often when we think of domestic violence, we tend to think about overt physical and emotional abuse. And we think about You know, on this podcast, we talk about narcissists. We talk about different forms of emotional and verbal abuse. We certainly validate emotional abuse. We talk about high conflict custody cases. But coercive control is a strategic form of emotional and psychological abuse that's based on the same pattern of manipulation, control, and oppression. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about you start to feel pressure to act and do things differently differently. To give up these areas of control, such as turning location on your phone, to not upset someone so that they can keep control. When you are in coercive control, it consists of ongoing and increasing use of manipulative strategies that will deny the victim autonomy and therefore a sense of self. If this begins to create an imbalance of power and through the use of more psychological and emotional abuse, the person is systematically harmed. And if we think about this in practice, you know, if I use the location, right, it's like first you need to keep your location on. Then they might show up where you are, just be passing by. Then if you turn it off, you'll get in trouble that you turned it off. Then those claim that you're denying them a human right because you turned it off. Then it becomes this thing that it always needs to be on, but theirs isn't on. And then you feel like you can't go or do anything because if you go somewhere, like get your nails done, you're going to get a text asking why you went and got your nails done when you should be doing something else. And many times a person doesn't know that this is happening because it comes across as, I just care about you. But what makes a course of control is that they may not recognize it until and even when their self esteem or sense of safety and autonomy is beginning to become undone. Your sense of self is no longer there. A lot of clients will ask me, is course of control a trauma bond? And the answer is no. Course of control is seen in traumatic bonds though. When we are in a trauma bond, we are likely also experiencing course of control. And both course of control and trauma bonding are based on this pattern of intermittent abuse and positive reinforcement. So for example, at times, if we do the thing that they say that we need to do, we experience a positive impact of that. If we don't, we experience the opposite. Coercive control is often seen only by the victim. Only the victim would know. I think about this similar to like dog whistling when an abuser will say something that only the victim will hear. Only the victim knows. And the victim is usually asking themselves if this is even mistreatment. It's hard to tell if something is going wrong or not. And here are some patterns. And one I just want to name is... um. The thing I said about pressure, if you are feeling constantly pressured to do things, that's coercion, right? So say somebody asks you to do something, you say no. They say, well, but you could just do this. Like you could just stop by at this time. Like if you just leave five minutes early and you're like, no, I can't. Like with the day I have, I know I can't. And you also know it, it, like you're smart enough to know if I stop by at this time and see this person, they're going to lead me into a conversation. I'm already stressed. I'm already activated. Before you even get there, you're thinking about it. So it's not in your best interest to go, especially like if you know that you need to show up fully for your day. So that's a boundary, right? That's you showing up for you by saying no. You say no, they then come up with another answer. Well, well I'll just meet you here or I'll just do this or I'll just do that. You then to start feel pressured, fine, I'll just meet them to hand them the thing they want and like it goes down this cycle of to get them to stop, I'll just do it. That's not a pattern based on respect. That's a pattern based on pressure. Here are some other patterns that come up. One that I see a lot is limiting autonomy. Autonomy is the ability to do things for yourself and think your own thoughts, to be your own person, to have space for yourself have time for yourself. Limiting autonomy may be limiting the ability for you to work or even worse, getting you fired. It could restrict access to your friends, could restrict access to transportation. They might devalue the choices and friendships that you have. And so you start to question your friendships or if they are true friends, they might make comments about your family or make comments about when you visit your family. They might restrict their use of hobbies because they don't find them important or sabotage your time to do them. And they will invalidate the choices that you make as if they're not good enough. What makes this dangerous is that course of control can come off as trying to quote unquote help or save in quotes. And a common example of this is when someone goes to work, they can get pressure and they may be pressured to have a conversation that they don't have time for before going to work. That might make them late for work. And then the conversation is, might even be how they don't even need to work and how that's not important. And then now you're running late to work and now you're worried you're going to get in trouble with work and you're getting texts while you're doing this about how you should have finished the conversation. And then it turns into actually your job is just the problem, not their behavior. And when the chorus of control at play, the victim is now becoming reliant on the abuser, right? Because now you are freaking out. You have to get to work. They probably are also the one that's going to comfort you and say, oh, it sucks that you you were so late to work. No accountability. And we can see that pattern in a lot of examples where you have something you need to do, or you have a friend you want to show up for, and then it's devalued. And over time, you stop doing the things that you really need and want to do. We can also see course of control through technology. And you have no idea how many people tell me that their phones are monitored, tracked, or have been filmed before. It's actually something that when I got into this work, I didn't realize how widespread it was because it wasn't something I personally experienced, but as time went on, I can definitely see it. And they can put tracking inside of security systems, air tags on phones, insist that you keep your phone tracking on, kind of like we talked about location before, and they'll say it's to keep you safe. And if you don't want it, that's not okay because it's based on their self-interest and their control. Restrictions can also be placed on computers or phones or they'll decide how and if which computer you're allowed to use. I had a client who their partner would just decide when they couldn't use a certain laptop anymore. They had two to three in the house and she would use something for years and then be told she no longer can and was handed a less functioning laptop without time to take her pictures off or anything. And it was really abusive because they have two young children, too. So there's like all these memories and photos that in Ideally, you're on this computer, but she doesn't know. She can't ask. And it's a way to control. It's a way to keep you on your toes. And again, it may come across as keeping you, quote unquote, safe or altruistic, but it's usually coming from a place of control. Course of control also affects your health, especially when there's a focus on their body. They can pressure you into workouts or maintaining a certain physique. I had a client tell me that she got in, quote unquote, trouble. With her abuser, because she took a day off of the gym, they claim that you should look a certain way or look better when you look a certain way. And their treatment of you will change based on how you look. When I was in college, I remember I got treated better if my hair was down and straight, if I was wearing specific clothing that wasn't really like what I liked, but it's what they liked. And if my makeup was done, and that was a problem for me. And I did it because I wanted the better treatment. When I look back now, I can see exactly what it was. There's also obviously sexual coercion. And there's this Instagram profile, Mending Me, but run by somebody named Nat, that talks a lot about this, a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's really good. And she can say all of these things far better than I can. I actually did a podcast with her. I should have her come back. And basically, we see a lot of pressure here And of course, a person may have strong, often non-negotiable patterns around sex. They will put pressure on the frequency despite any other circumstances, including your own exhaustion or illness or feelings. There's pressure, it's their need. It can start as one time and then turn and then continue on. And when you don't comply, often it's followed by guilt. You may feel violated by the actions or that your boundaries are crossed, but you spend more time wondering if you're being crazy or if it's real, the focus will always be on their needs and the fact that they're not met. So you end up doing things out of guilt, not out of want. And if you go on at Mending Me on TikTok or Instagram, she was able to put words to a lot of things that I never felt before until she named it. And I was like, Jesus, oh my God. And I think it could be a really, really helpful place. And so what can you do? if this is happening or some of these patterns are happening. Education is key, similar to overcoming a trauma bond. course of control is dangerous and it is emotional abuse because it's extra dangerous because it can go unnoticed. So instead of overt abuse, you may still be receiving compliments, praise, or love bombing when you comply with the behavior, but there's all these coercive tactics that make the abuser feel in control. It's also important to get help from somebody who will pick up on these patterns and help validate you and ungaslight you. Yesterday, one of my clients said, "I'm calling him every hour just to check in." And I said, "What?" And they said, "Yeah, I'm working at a coffee shop and I'm calling every hour just to check in. It makes him feel better." And I was like, "Isn't that a little excessive?" And she was like, went on to the reason why it's not. And I just said, "Okay." And then there was a few other things and I said, "I I have to be honest with you. This all feels like patterns, of course, of control. And this is why. And she saw it and there wasn't a need right now to change it. She's like, okay, let me sit with this. And that is absolutely fine. That's how I work. We can't learn about things and then act immediately. But we, like, I think through having the support and being able to take a step back and see it and then move from there, it really helps. And so it's important to work with somebody that understands what's going on. And if you're confused and you need a first step, you can always schedule a validation session with me. You can also look at some of the content and begin to educate yourself on the patterns and what you see. I think this is one of the most helpful things is just to journal what you're noticing, what you're seeing when something happens. Connect the dots. I used to have this pattern of ungaslighting gaslighting myself. I would literally just sit down and write out what actually happened. So my perspective couldn't be changed. It couldn't be edited. This was my perspective. I think that could be helpful too. I will be speaking more about coercive control and I welcome any questions that come in about this. I know that this is a deep topic. This was really meant to be a little bit of an overview to point you in some directions, but as always, I really hope that it was helpful. I hope that it helps you validate yourself. And you know, I think my one mission in life is to help people realize that they are not crazy and what they are experiencing is real. So I hope to talk to you soon. (laughs) you. <laughs>